0: If you're a small business owner like me, and you need to hire quickly, I'd recommend you try Indeed. Indeed is a matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. And according to Indeed's data, 93% of employers say Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Right now, our listeners can get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com Hertz. That's Indeed.com H-E-R-T-Z. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated doctors near you. Once you've found one you like, you can instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can even filter for doctors who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. Go to zocdoc.com slash 20k and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's zocdoc.com slash 20k. Zocdoc.com slash 20k. You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. We all know someone who snores a lot. Whether it's your spouse or your roommate or even your dog, snorers are everywhere. In fact, they make up almost half of the adult population. But it turns out that scientists have recently discovered a really simple way to prevent snoring entirely. To stop snoring, all you need to do is turn... Okay, so this episode is not about snoring. It's about that thing that just happened, which is called a Rickroll. Here's the 20,000 Hertz team explaining it. Um,
1: ooh, this is hard to describe.
2: (laughs) Rickrolling is when, is a bait and switch.
3: When somebody posts a link on the internet, pretending it to be relevant to some conversation that's happening. But the link, when you click on it, it takes you to...
4: A music video
5: or the actual track of... Rick Astley's...
6: Never Never gonna gonna give give you up. up.
1: That's all it is. You think you're gonna get one thing, but instead you get rickrolled.
0: So it should be sort of subversive way of getting them to listen to that song. And everybody thinks that you can see this song coming from a mile away. And so there's
3: like been more and more creative ways of rickrolling people... (laughs)
0: This story is from our friends at Endless Thread, which is hosted by Ben Brock-Johnson and Amory Sievertson. Here's Ben.
1: Eric should be famous. But he's not. Really.
2: I'm Eric Helwig. Uh, My internet persona is Hot Dad, and I make what I describe as emotional comedy music.
5: Not famous, should be famous, maybe. His creative output on YouTube is impressive in its own special way. And Eric is kind of a special guy. I
2: have these songs that are, you know, I feel like pretty heartfelt about, like, really stupid topics, but then I just like extremes, ultimately. But none of this,
1: which is great, is why Eric should maybe be famous. He should maybe be famous because he may have had a role in creating something that is one of the most primordial parts of the viral internet as we know it. And when we say primordial, we mean like, without this thing, the idea of things going viral online would be fundamentally different. And Eric was there at the beginning.
5: We think... It's hard to tell. There are other theories of how this slice of the internet came about and who invented it. But Eric has a story. And he has a record of what happened. And the timing is intriguing. That's all he's saying.
2: I didn't claim to create it. I just claim that I have documented evidence of me doing it as a prank, you know, months before it became a thing, which which to me felt like a obviously a bizarre coincidence. A bizarre coincidence, or the beginning of something, 15
1: years ago, when Eric was a bored college kid in Michigan.
2: So, like, I'm living at home with my parents, and I, I don't know, we were just like a bunch of, obviously, kids in late teens and stuff, just hanging out and coming up with funny things to say and do.
5: One of those funny things to say or do, for Eric and his friends at least, was to make prank calls.
0: There was a local radio program called The Post Game Show, where people would call in to talk about high school sports.
7: 673-6103, you want to show your school spirit, give a shout out, whatever it is, you're on The Post Game Show.
2: Hi. Every Friday night game after, game after all the games, people would just call in and just be like, my, my son Trevor did great tonight, you know, thank you, Trevor. And then <laughs> and then they'd say, thanks, thank you for your call. Like, Like, just nobody said anything. They'd call in and, you know, like a bunch of girls would cheer together. You know, they'd say, go... You know, it's go okay. USA.
0: We're gonna
2: send BS. There's this school that this consolidated school district called the Unionville Seaboing area, and it was called USA. So that was like our original prank call was to call in and say, you know, go Soviet Union. Uh, my brother did a call where he was complaining about a pair of khakis that he bought at Kohl's. It was like stuff like
7: that. You're on the post game show.
0: Hello, I'm a fortune teller, and I see a giant party sub in your future. Goodbye. (laughs) What?
1: Eric wasn't usually the prank call antagonist, though. I guess I'm too timid to do
5: those kinds of things. But one night, Eric and his buddies are at his house, and he's up.
1: And he has this idea. He's been listening to a song on repeat recently. As a musician himself, he's been kind of obsessed with it.
2: I was just super fixated on that song at the time. It's like maximum eighties in a way that like a lot of things are, you know, eighties, but, but that is just like turgid eighties. Like it couldn't be more eighties than that. Uh, but I just remember I had Winamp open, uh, and immediately, you know, hoisting the phone up to the speaker.
1: If you don't know Winamp, think of it as Spotify in 2006 or something playing music from your computer and Eric had this one song that had been on repeat queued up to what he thought was the
2: key moment so I mean it's gonna make you understand and then then that's when that's when it kicks in
7: (laughs) you're on the post game show yeah busting some jams out
1: But this bait-and-switch move, where you expect something else and you get the booming voice of Rick Astley, became more than a local Michigan sports radio call in show prank. It became the Rick Roll. Ubiquitous, hilarious, extremely difficult to avoid if you are, as they say, extremely online. And Eric Helwig may be the first Rick Roller of all time.
5: Eric's version was audio-only. But of course, it's now much more than that. It's a full-on meme, a classic one, usually video edited together. You think you're watching something else, then bam, Rick rolled with the original music video for Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. And it pops up in new places and in new ways all the time. Imagine, for instance, a friend sends you an email, or a text, or a chat with a hyperlink to something, an invite to a birthday party, or some other thing you want to click on. You click on the link, expecting info on said birthday party, and instead, you see Rick Astley jogging his arms and singing about how he's not going to desert you.
1: It feels almost dumb to even have to define this. Like, the Rickroll crosses continents, cultures, generations. But there are people maybe somewhere in the universe who have not been rickrolled. Total dorks, obviously.
5: You don't know if I've been rickrolled.
1: You've definitely been rickrolled. No, I haven't. I'm pretty I've sure I've never you've been rick-rolled. rickrolled.
5: No, I confessed to Frank, one of our producers on this show last week that oh. I discovered what the rickroll was like last week.
1: I guess you're about to get I guess you're about to be rickrolled then.
3: <laughs> There's
1: only two types of people in this world. People who have been rickrolled and people who don't know they're about to be rickrolled. Yes. <laughs> 23-year-old Newport, Rhode Island resident Harrison Renshaw, who we're now talking to, has definitely been rickrolled. Even though the math suggests he was about 8 years old when the rickroll started trending. Did you get rickrolled? Is that how you learned?
3: I'm sure I got rickrolled and didn't understand what it was at the time. That's definitely your first rickroll. You don't know that you've been rickrolled. Right. It's it's a confusing, who is this, why is this man in this abandoned house singing this strange <laughs> song? It was confusing more than anything, I, I, I imagine.
5: Harrison is also a bit of a YouTuber, albeit much younger than our supposed rickroll inventor, Eric.
3: I am a child of the internet, growing up with YouTube, basically.
1: Harrison is great at going down the rabbit hole on specific topics like how the chorus bookends of Old Town Road by Lil Nas X are perfectly designed to convince you to play the song again and again.
5: But one of Harrison's biggest obsessions and one of his biggest videos ever traces the history and origins of the Rickroll. It's called The Story of the Best Meme Ever, and it includes what he calls the four key events that made the Rickroll blow up.
3: Number one. In 2005, there was an episode of It's Always Sunny called Charlie Has Cancer.
2: Hello. And in
3: that song, "Never Gonna Give You Up" plays, and the song grew online because of it. Uh, uh, Number two, in 2006, a Michigan man named Eric Helwig called onto his local radio station, and it was like a sports talk show. That one we know already. And so, number three. In 2006, the creator of the internet forum 4chan, Christopher Poole, who is also known as Moot, created a word filter that replaced the word egg with the word duck.
5: This 4chan word filter thing was a silly joke with what, in retrospect, has been a huge impact. Basically, people were talking about egg rolls, and somebody modified the way language appeared on the site to replace the word egg with the word duck. Just a curious little silly piece of software. After the word filter was made, someone made an image of a duck on wheels.
3: And then that image became like a popular gag on the site. People would do the whole hyperlink bait and switch where, oh, you think you're going to click something super interesting, but then you just get the picture of the duck roll. (laughs) Aha. So there was a
1: roll before the Rick roll, and that was the duck
3: roll. That was the duck roll. Wow And so the final sort of piecing together The Perfect Storm In March of 2007 With the first trailer for Grand Theft Auto 4 Being released There was so much traffic on the site That it crashed And someone on 4chan Used that same method of the duck roll By saying oh here's the link to the trailer But it was Rick Astley's Never gonna give you up Smuggled people
6: Sold people Perhaps here, things will be different.
5: Now, we grant you that at the outset, this is just weird niche internet joke stuff. But these things tend to bubble up. Grand Theft Auto 4 is one of the best-selling games of all time. 23 million copies.
1: And if that game's popularity gets turned into a bait-and-switch joke online by a bunch of people searching for the game trailer and Rick Astley is where they land, Rick Astley himself is going to have a little spike in popularity, too.
3: 2008, that is like the year of the Rickroll. 2008 was prime Rickrolling.
1: And when Harrison says prime Rickrolling, he means like the Rickroll was basically present in every single big event of the year.
3: Uh, There was some sort of survey that was conducted that said that 18 million Americans had been Rickrolled,
1: And when you look back at 2008, this is not surprising. Hacktivist group Anonymous was blasting the song out of loudspeakers in front of the Church of Scientology. People at basketball games during March Madness were dressing up as Rick and singing in the audience. Someone made a fake video of then-presidential candidate Senator John McCain getting Rick rolled at a 2008 presidential campaign event.
2: Senator Obama does not...
5: And Rick himself Rick rolled the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade.
0: During the parade, a group of goofy characters started singing a children's song. People
5: let me tell you about my best He's a warm-hearted
7: person who loved me till the end
0: But midway through the song...
5: Companies got in on it, too. YouTube had the entire homepage do a bait-and-switch, with every video linking back to THE video.
0: Oh, for goodness!
5: Stop! And then, maybe the the ultimate troll of 2008, the MTV European Music Awards had a ridiculous award that year for Best Act Ever. U2, Green Day, Britney Spears, they were all nominees. But you could also write in a candidate. And of course, the internet delivery.
0: 2008 EMAs, you've been Rick Rolls! The best
2: act ever is Rick Astley!
1: So it's easy to get a sense from Harrison about how it happened 13 years ago. But why is it still happening? The video just passed a billion views on YouTube and is within the top several hundred videos of all time for just a simple music video that was made over 30 years ago. Kids who are just kids are rickrolling each other all the time. Still, like in middle school Google Docs and university links to online coursework. But rickroll was one of the top posts on Reddit practically last week. In fact, there's a new version among the top posts almost every week.
5: In meme years, this should basically be an antiquity. But it's still very much around. How did this granddaddy of internet memes get such staying power?
1: It can't just be internet chaos theory, right? There has to be more there. There's something irresistible about the song.
5: The video, too, with its happy dude dancing his butt off in what appears to be an abandoned warehouse, church, bar, thing, staring deeply into your eyes. Can you really deny him?
1: And in this regard, Harrison is kind of like Eric. Are you a fan?
3: Of Rick Astley?
1: Yeah, have you become a fan?
3: Oh, that's an incredible song. That song is wonderful. I'm a huge fan of the song. Why? I mean, I'm a big 80s pop music guy anyway. I think the drama and theatrics of it, it's infectious. You want to sing along to it. It makes you feel kind of silly, but that's the charm of it at the same time.
0: So what's the story behind that magic? Like any pop hit, a lot of thought and talent went into that song. But there was also a lot of luck. If one or two things had gone just a little differently, the song and Rick Astley's music career would have never existed. That's coming up after this. Congratulations to Jenny Slynn for getting last episode's mystery sound right. That's the sound that plays before an announcement on BC ferries, which operate all around British Columbia. I think it's safe to say that the creators may have taken more than a little inspiration from the NBC chimes. And here's this episode's mystery sound. If you know what that is, then submit your answer at the web address, mystery.20k.org. If you guess it right, you'll have a chance to win the super soft 20,000 Hertz t-shirt. Why is finding a doctor so hard? I end up spending forever Googling the right specialist, reading the reviews, and by the time I actually book an appointment, I feel exhausted. But with ZocDoc, that super complicated process becomes super simple. And that's why I use it. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you. Once you've found one you like, you can instantly book an appointment with them online. You shouldn't have to jump through hoops to get the care you need right away. For me, I'd rather spend that time on better things, like making this podcast. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. Sometimes you can even snag an appointment on the same day. Overall, it's a convenient, straightforward platform that I can recommend. Go to ZocDoc.com slash 20k and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's ZOCDOC.com slash 20k. ZocDoc.com slash 20k. In the late 2000s, millions of people were rickrolling each other online. Even Rick Astley rickrolled a kid's song at a Thanksgiving parade. And he even won the MTV Award for Best Act Ever. But before all of that, Never Gonna Give You Up was just a pop song. It was written by a group of struggling English songwriters who were trying to cash in on the dance music craze.
5: In our journey to understand not just how the rickroll came to be, but also why it came to be... Ben and I are now talking to someone who was there when it came to be. Songwriter Mike Stock is telling us about just how good he was in the beginning as a 20-something working musician in the 1970s.
6: I was awful. I mean, people would ask me to play songs which I should have known. I, I, I remember making a very
5: bad attempt at something and feeling highly embarrassed. So Mike Stock realized relatively quickly that he might not make it as a performing musician but he was actually a good songwriter. So he started a business with a few of his favorite collaborators, Matt Aiken and Pete Waterman. They became known as Stock Aiken Waterman. And since it was the 70s, they dabbled in dance music.
6: The genre was Boys Town. How would you define Boys Town? Well, uh, essentially, uh, gay-orientated, gay clubs. Yep. Were using the... Uh, th- they were normally using uh, cheap cheaply made records as long as they were set at around 130 beats per minute got the hand claps and the cowbells on them which used to set off the sound to lights in all the clubs so that made it more exciting and uh, there was a thing called northern soul uh, which came from north of england which is the same thing people people were starting to dance I mean, one of the songs, the opening lines of one of our number one songs in the U.K. by Mel and Kim is, it's, it's our occupation, we're a dancing nation. And that's, that's what I thought we were aiming at. We
1: Stockick and Waterman were getting work in the Boys Town genre, but they weren't getting it on the radio yet, really. The way to popularity and more work with more artists was to have one of your records go big in the dance clubs.
5: Which started happening with Stock and his partners in the early 1980s, starting with a band called Dead or Alive.
1: And then they were off to the races, right? Straight to the top from there on out?
6: Well, obviously having your first number one was a big thrill. But uh, the main thing that, that happened was that the phones stopped ringing.
5: There are a lot of ways to explain this, but Mike kind of boils it down to one theory. More underground artists they'd been working with thought they'd gone fully mainstream. And the mainstream thought... All
6: they can do is that dastardly high-energy gay music. Or you know, Interesting. You know, yeah, that's,
5: that's the way it is. So, the recently supposedly wildly successful songwriting trio Stock Aiken Waterman got a little concerned.
6: There's me, Matt, and Pete sitting in our studio saying, well, what are we going to do next? We're number one. (laughs) Well, let's invent something. Let's do
1: something now. What they did is start to work with unknowns. Backup singers and a kid who had just started interning at their working studio. Apprenticing. Was it a fellowship? Mike had a specific phrase.
6: T-boy, he got my sandwiches. You know I, know, I know he doesn't like that, but we, we were waiting... T T-boy? Yeah, we were waiting for the opportunity to work Great with him. Great name. So, Pete, Pete, Oh, I do not know what that is. Sorry. Two nations separated by a common tongue. That, that's us, is it? <laughs>
5: <laughs> the kid was from Northern England. He was a kid still, just a teenager, and he looked way younger than he even was. Like, a minimum of five years younger.
1: Mike's songwriting partner Pete had seen the kid perform in a band, didn't like the band, liked the kid. Invited him down to be a studio assistant. And one day, they said, "Hey, let's give the T-boy a chance at doing a song." They were planning on having him just do a cover of Ain't Too Proud to Beg. But then the T-boy, whose name was Rick,
6: stepped up to the musical plate. When I got him on the mic and started to listen to what I, what he was and who he was, and I thought this guy's too good for this. I was I was absolutely amazed. I mean the voice that came out of him didn't sort of match his look. Yeah. Um, and and it, it is a strong powerful
1: voice he's got. It is a little hard to overstate this incongruence. If you have been rickrolled, you know what we're talking about. Whatever you think the owner of this voice looks like,
5: and if you ask me how I'm feeling, he doesn't. He looks like a spelt 14-year-old still wet behind the ears. So the voice, which is already kind of magic, is extra magic.
6: So at that point, I'd say to Matt and Pete, look, we should write him a
5: song. So they did. Mike Stock wrote the music, Waterman suggested the title, all three of them built the lyrics around the music, and they recorded it.
1: But Rick didn't have a label to put it out. And in the interim, it got briefly sidelined by other projects including at least one more song you have definitely
3: heard before. Venus, your fire, your fire.
5: Things got busy for the songwriting trio. Months went by. Then, one day.
6: i tell you how it worked. I came into the studio, as was my sort of routine, at 11 o'clock one morning, and one of the guys in the office, in our promotions office, was playing uh, the song because it been given to the office uh, on a cassette or something and i came upstairs and i thought bloody hell that sounds good i, like <laughs> I hadn't listened to it for for two months i thought jeez that sounds great as I, and he's playing it loud this guy in the office and as i'm coming out up the stairs pete walsman's coming down the stairs and we both stop and look at each other we both go blimey what are we doing with this record why haven't we got this thing out so that was the kicker for us we suddenly heard it as it were out of the blue without being deeply involved with it.
1: If you were to identify the key distinctive genetic code of the song, like the thing that makes the song, what is the thing?
6: Well, I mean, in a simple sense, the sentiment is understandable. We always made the vocals proud, uh, proud of the track, you know, loud enough to hear every single word. But on a musical level, it's a structure of cause, which incidentally, subsequent to us writing it, I have heard on half a dozen hit songs.
1: It may be true that Never Gonna Give You Up does have a particular formula that makes it work musically. Or that the surprising nature of Astley's voice, coupled with his baby face in the mid-1980s, has given the song mysterious properties that have kept it in the ether this long, loved by people like Eric and Harrison, who were born full decades after the song was a hit.
5: The music video definitely has something to do with it. Rick's casual shimmying, seemingly made up on the spot, the weird empty warehouse he's in, the outfits, double-breasted jacket over a small collared sweater, trench coat, black jeans, black turtleneck, a full-on Canadian tuxedo.
1: But the singer himself, even with the number one hit in the U.S. of A, did not stick around at the top. Here's Rick Roll YouTube historian Harrison again.
3: So this is where it gets a little strange, Rick would sell millions of records. He had a Grammy nomination. He collabed with Ellen John. And he was, like, rich and famous by 24. But then around that time, he got really sick of the industry and didn't want all the fame. Everything was sort of too much for him. He was having this existential crisis. He wanted to raise his family. And so he called it quits.
1: The never-going-to-give-you-up guy gave it up. He seems to have been the rarest of rarities, a purposeful one-hit wonder.
5: Lies. He had more than one hit.
1: Okay, two-hit wonder? Still, he made his mark, and then he kind of tapped out. And the rest is internet history. Or rather music history, which eventually became internet history, because of a kid doing prank calls
0: in Michigan. Or a bunch of meme lords on 4chan.
1: Or an episode of It's Always
7: Sunny in Philadelphia. Or all of these things. It reminds me of this thing in evolution called convergent evolution.
5: This guy gets it.
7: My name is Don Caldwell. I'm the editor-in-chief of Know Your Meme, which is the world's largest internet culture encyclopedia and database.
1: Don has looked really closely at the origin of the Rickroll meme since its inception, which is how he got the convergent evolution thing in his head.
7: They're like these like green tree snakes, for example, around the world. They aren't related to each other at all, but they look like the exact same animal. They got the same characteristics, same coloration, same morphology. It's just really interesting to me that that might have happened here with the Rick Roll. It might have evolved independently twice. It might have been born two separate times without being connected to each other, which is just wild.
5: <laughs> the song is just that good. It's just <laughs> yeah. it's just that special.
7: That's right. It really is.
5: Don says there's something extra special about this granddaddy meme. It connects back to Eric Helwig's prank call in Michigan.
1: He says the Rick Roll is really the first truly mainstream version of this specific genre
7: of meme. A bait-and-switch, you know, tricking someone into clicking a link or viewing something that they didn't intend to is a characteristic that is just a a, a winner when it comes to memes, and we've seen it time and time again. It's probably one of the most tried-and-true types of memes that continue to appear every year. It's not just the bait-and-switch, though.
1: It's what you're getting when the switch happens, which Harrison talked a bit about too.
3: I think the thing that makes it so universal and beloved is that it's very, very harmless. It's something that is purely fun. Nobody ever gets hurt.
1: It's a prank, but it's not a mean prank, really.
3: I completely agree. That's what I'm getting at, is that nobody I don't think has ever had extreme amounts of malice rick rolling somebody it, it's always from love
1: right or felt it getting rickrolled right because it's like oh i'm gonna pull a, a prank on you and 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 make you kind of want to dance a little bit and be happy
3: exactly what a nice beautiful thing that we can do to one another <laughs>
5: <laughs> really the question is how does rick feel about it what does it feel like to be, maybe not the butt of a joke, but the punchline? It's, I mean,
4: I'll be honest, I find it difficult sometimes because I am the Rick and Rick rolling, So that is a bit weird, if I'm honest.
1: Yes, we did. You know, we had to. We had to get Rick. He still looks youthful. A little more craggy here and there. Sure. You might say he's grown into that voice, but he's a true gem of a guy.
5: Even if he does have some mixed feelings about his resurgence,
4: yeah, I, it, it, I can't. It's weird that. And listen, I'm not making it into a bigger thing than it is. I'm just saying, it just it comes up in conversation a lot in my life, obviously, and and therefore it's just a bit weird, you know.
1: What motivated you to get into music?
4: I'm not particularly well. I am sort of from a musical family in a way. My mum always played the piano. I didn't actually live with my mum. My mum and dad divorced. I'm the youngest of. They had five kids, but one um, passed away before I was born. And my dad had a great voice, but he never did anything with it. He used to sing around, you know, the house and the streets of the little town I'm from. Um, But I don't think that was my introduction to music at all. My introduction to music, to be honest, if I'm gonna be really flat out honest about it, was getting out of the home that I lived in. I was brought up by my dad, and I don't think my dad was a very happy camper, to be honest and uh, they've been through a lot obviously losing a child is the most devastating thing i think anybody can go through as parents and i think you know i just don't think there was a lot of um sunshine really and i think music caught me really early where i just thought this is a joyful place to be and i think from that moment that was it really i just wanted to i kind of wanted to get out of the small town that i was from but it wasn't the town i think it was my home upbringing if i'm really honest i just wanted to find some light somewhere else. Do you know what I
5: mean? Yeah. Sure. One good thing about Rick's hometown, though, is that, according to Rick, Pete Waterman was dating a woman there. And on one of his visits to go see her, he ended up in a club where Rick Astley's band was playing. And as we said before, he liked what he heard. Not the band, just Rick.
1: No, we heard it. We we did hear a rumor. Maybe it's Mm. not a rumor, but we did talk to Mike and he oh to Mike Stock you mean yes sir oh wow fantastic and he actually described you and he his words not ours he described you as being a tea boy in mm. the uh, in the studio um is that
4: accurate it is accurate and there's truth to that and and I ended up living at his flat which was pretty pretty bizarre because I'm kind of living in the boss's flat but I'm also <laughs> making tea for dead or alive while I'm making the album that's got spin me <laughs> around on it.
5: Rick, of course, would soon get his own hit.
1: Did you like the song immediately?
4: Yeah, 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 because it, and I can say that with, with all modesty because I didn't write it. So it, I'm not saying, hey, it's a great song. And, you know, I think it sort of slips people by sometimes because of the whole internet side of that, what's happened with that song. I don't think sometimes people realize how great it actually is as a crafted pop song. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. um, and I can say that, like I say, because I didn't write it, I didn't produce it. I just sang the thing. Well, we have
1: some good news for you, I think, which is that uh-huh. like a lot of the people that we have talked to, and we have talked to a lot of people about the song, and some of them are people who are very much of the internet generation. They're digital natives. They're people who never would have discovered it, probably, except for the internet. I think they agree with you. They think that the song is special beyond the sort of virality uh, that it's found online at least in their eyes and in, in the way that they're imagining it
4: well that's that's very nice to hear very nice to hear i mean we we're lucky enough now that i've sort of moved into this area i guess where i'm allowed to play festivals don't usually close one <laughs> but, I get, I get to, but i get to play in the <laughs> afternoon you know and that's that's i just think i got lucky really and i think it's a lucky turn of events and my wife and I have, have sat on balconies in hotel rooms and sat on beaches with a glass of rosé and looked at a sunset and said, how did we get here? <laughs> and, and we never stopped doing that.
5: What do you remember about the making of the music video? Because the music video is, is a big part of the ongoing internet admiration. <laughs>
4: I mean, it's the first video I ever did. I had no idea what was going on. So when we come to do the video, I turned up with a bag of clothes. Yes, a raincoat, that was mine. You know, (laughs) stripey t-shirt, chinos, and a blazer. Baby, that's me. Um, The turtleneck, the double denim, it's all me, baby. No stylist was involved. (laughs) The
5: dance moves, Um, all yours?
4: Well, yeah, the dance moves. I've said this before many times. It's actually fear. If you look at me, most of most of my little sort of moment through that four or five years, if you actually look at me carefully, I'm just terrified. And ironically, all these years later, that sort of still kind of sits right with people. It's just, it, it, in that context, you know, the Rickroll Roll thing, it's like, if I was super suave and this, that and the other and looked, you know, like a, a sex symbol s- style thing in that video, it just wouldn't work. Yeah. I'm just like this 20-year-old, whatever I was, 21-year-old, dude who looks 12 years old um, (laughs) who came to a video shoot with his own clothes in a bag.
1: Can you tell us a little bit more how you really feel about the Rick Roll?
4: Um, I'm sort of detached from it, and I think it's the only way to be about it. Our daughter, when it first started to kick off and and things were happening, and there was a thing about MTV... um, wanted me to accept an award for some whatever I can't remember what it was um, best
5: act ever yeah is which, what it is, which is
4: ludicrous <laughs> and I think they thought they were being ironic and funny putting me in that category with you two and Christina Aguilera and whoever else was in that category so you can imagine I said no thanks I'm not coming you can keep your award it's okay but the point being our daughter who as I say was a teenager said look you do realize it hasn't really got anything to do with you." And the way she said it just hit me like a ton of bricks, but in a really great way. Just seeing it in a different way and saying, she's absolutely right. It could have been Dave Roll, Brian Roll, you know, Mary Roll, (laughs) any role you like. (laughs) Somebody just just chose my video and that song. It could have been anybody's. So I think from that moment, I've always just viewed it and said, you know what, anything positive towards, you know, my little world coming out of it, I'll take.
1: that that makes sense And and I also want to say again like I think that one of the things that's interesting to me is you described where you came from and looking for fundamentally a happy place to be and I think that what's interesting about the Rickroll to me is that the internet is a dark and toxic place many days of the week right? Yeah. But like the Rickroll really like shines as a light in a really dark place because it is this thing that has that edge to it that the internet has of like pulling a prank or hacking somebody or tricking somebody, etc. But the end of it is. Is you singing this great song that everybody loves, you know? And there's it's
5: creating that joy that you talked about. Yeah,
4: yeah. Well, well, you know what? You've kind of, you've kind of, sort of put a good spin on 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 the thought process of that. I guess in the sense that when I was a kid, like you say, there was a black cloud in our house. There just was, and I've been searching to kind of, you know, just get rid of it. And I kind of think, as cheesy as that video is, and as kind of like cheesy and naff sometimes the 80s can be and they can look there is also if you can just get past that kind of like what's cool what's not cool then you just see it for just being fun do you know what I mean and kind of like and I think that's I think I've always searched for that thank you Rick
1: we really appreciate your time it's been it's been lovely
4: thank you pleasure absolute pleasure
1: It might be that Rick would bristle a bit at the idea that he, like Eric, our prank caller at the beginning, has, simply put, created emotional comedy music.
5: But having his song turned into a meme has brought joy into the world in a way it never would have otherwise, right? And virality itself online at least would probably look different if not for the OG bait-and-switch of the Rickroll. And as Harrison puts it...
3: I mean... Not to try to get overly pretentious about some of the dumbest jokes that you can find online, but I feel like memes are the future.
5: Harrison means the future of communication online. And the rickroll is a great example. It's still morphing. In 2020, while everyone was in lockdown, a whole new generation of people started flipping the script on the meme. They started rickrolling themselves for reaction videos, the rickroll rolls on.
2: Rick Astley, man, he's boogie, and he said, "Okay,
5: brother, he's smooth over these dancers." That, oh, that voice
1: was. is wow. on a ten. Okay. Mm, mm, mm. Oh my gosh! Maybe you were one of these people searching in a terrible time for something funny on the internet, or maybe you, like me, already know the rickroll as this part of the internet you tip your hat to when you come across it as a sign of respect or something. Hello, old friend. Glad you're still around to give me a chuckle, considering, you know, everything.
5: But whatever it is, it's great. And Rick's great. And someday you can Rickroll your grandkids. Maybe. Maybe they'll Rickroll you first.
4: You know, in this video, we're going to be reacting to Rick. Icedly, forgive me if I say his name wrong, never going to give up. Never gonna give you up. That's the name of this video. Never heard this video before. So without further ado, let's get into it.
0: That story comes from Endless Thread, a podcast that examines the blurred line between the online world and the real world. Every week, the show dives into untold histories, unsolved mysteries, and some of the most compelling stories the internet has to offer. Subscribe to Endless Thread, right here in your podcast player. 20,000 Hertz is produced out of the sound design studios of DeFacto Sound. To hear some juicy sound design moments, follow DeFacto Sound on Instagram.
5: Endless Thread is a production of WBUR in Boston.
1: Our series and our show is made by producers Nora Sachs and Dean Russell. We are co-hosted by us, Ben Brock-Johnson.
5: And Anne-Marie Sievertson.
1: This episode was edited by Maureen McMurray.
5: Mix and sound design by Matt Reed.
1: The Music Box cover of Never Gonna Give You Up is from the YouTube channel R3 Music Box.
5: Special thanks to an additional production work from Josh Crane, Grace Tatter, Frank Hernandez, Kristen Torres, Sophie Codner, and Rachel Carlson.
0: If you feel like someone in your life could use a good rickroll, then send them this episode and say it's a really interesting story about snoring. Thanks for listening.